Stamattina mi sono alzato, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, ciao, ciao. Stamattina mi sono alzato e ho trovato l'invaso. Oh partigiano, portami via, oh bella ciao, bella ciao, bella ciao, 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 partigiano. Hi, we're back in Orange. Orange is the new black. This is Bold Perceptions. So I just got back in to Italy and I got to be a good little boy through the quarantine rules. You know, sit in my room, don't leave it. And what else do you do? You, you drink coffee, you drink wine, you throw the YouTube on. I got no cable. And if I did, it'd be in Italian. And I still, after almost a year living in Italy, I know ciao, grazie, mi piace, bella, amica, and la dolce vita. So that's all I know so far. It's not too good. But anyways, I came across a wicked, that's a good word, YouTuber. She was talking about like cultural differences in Italy as she just moved there. But I was struck by her vibe. I'm like, huh, that sound, that, that look, that feels really familiar. And what do you know? She grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in... Uh, in Minnesota. And she's a writer, a YouTuber. She's dropping a new book. I think she's lived in New York City, Paris, and now she just moved to Italy. Puglia? Puglia? Puglia. Puglia. Okay. I told you, I don't know much Italian. <laughs> it's Q. Katie. I'm excited to have you on. I love your vibe. You got really good videos and um, talk to me. Who are you? Thanks, man. Hey, thanks, Nick. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Um, well, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said I'm a YouTuber. I, I make videos about food and travel and I'm a writer, which you also mentioned. Uh, I have a book dropping at the end of April. It's called Cheese, Wine and Bread, which just judging by what you just mentioned about what you do during your uh, lockdown time, um, it sounds right up your alley as well. So I'm glad to be talking. Yeah, I forgot to mention, I am drinking wine right now. See, like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're the wine expert and stuff. I mean, it's just said from Bologna. It's red wine. I like red wine. You've got, and, all right, you've, and you've got the local thing. That's always good. Yeah, Does it, it was like say three what euros. grapes or anything? Does it say, like, the grapes that were used? No, it was some, oh, maybe in the back here. Bologna, Roseau, 2019. I don't know. There's three euro wine everywhere. It's from Italy. That's all that matters. I'm drinking Italian red wine, right? And if you like it, that's all, that is all that matters. If you like it, then perfect. Yeah, tell me this. You're the, the wine expert. Wasn't there studies done that these people did, um, like, the expensive wine blind taste testing? And then they yeah. said, oh, Three dollar one is just as good as expensive. Well, tell me about this. Like, you know, that's a real rock or what? I mean, in, in some ways, in some ways, yes. I mean, like, you know, there is a difference of quality between certain wines, right? The way that it's made, so many decisions in the winemaking process. I mean, and all of these things have ramifications of the system and yes, quality exists. Of course, quality exists, just like it does with absolutely everything else. However, sometimes the differences are more based on marketing, more based on who's got the money. And um, yeah, it's proven time and again in blind taste tests that like there's sometimes not a huge difference. Or another way you could think about it is that it's all subjective, 
right? Different people like different things. I like it. So is this your background in food? And you said, hey, I'm going to start just making YouTube videos on it. I mean, tell me about this. Like, you just yeah. fell in love with our, with our amazing, <laughs> wonderful food in the Midwest. I mean, there's not much yeah. stuff. That's potatoes well, and. <laughs> yeah, casseroles, casseroles of all sorts. Hot dish, uh, hot dish. That's a classic. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, so what happened was I moved to New York City and uh, my eyes were opened. So I, I, I'm a journalist by training and I, the first like seven years of my career in New York, um, I worked for whatever NBC. So from like network television to video news startups, like everything kind of the, the gamut of the industry. And, um, along the way, I became absolutely enamored with food, <laughs> food and the people who make it and the culture behind it and within it. And, uh, and I was like, this, this is what I want to do way more than talking about politics or anything else that I'm covering with all of this news mumbo jumbo. Um, and that's actually, that's, I went to culinary school in Paris, um, to kind of like give myself some cred on that and be able to talk to people via the interwebs, uh, on my YouTube channel about this thing that I just couldn't stop thinking about and talking about. Okay. So time out, you went to school for journalism and you moved to New York city to be this amazing journalist with the, the mainstream media and all that. And then you're like, this isn't for me. I love yeah. food. And then you were like, you did a total career switch and went to Paris for more school. I mean, how are you yeah. staying at here? <laughs> well, so the thing is that, so I started the YouTube channel before I went to culinary school because the YouTube channel was like my way of marrying my professional skills and this interest in food. And before also like when I, when I was working at NBC, for instance, I also simultaneously was interning at Serious Eats, which is a food blog. And so I, I was like kind of dipping my toe. It wasn't a complete, like I'm completely shifting everything. Like I just going from news to food. It was more like when I was in news, I was dipping my toe into food. And then that became, you know, the, the lines really got crossed when I started the YouTube channel, because that's, I know how to shoot video. I know how to edit video. I know how to research and interview people. And then I was just doing all of that stuff for food. And then the YouTube channel took off and I started making an in income that way. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Paris now. <laughs> I'm liking this. I'm liking this a lot. So you had your, your nine to five thing, but on the side, you were building something. And then when you had the chance to, to take off, you took it. That's a big leap. Know what I mean, a lot of yeah. people, they sit, they stay in their area. It's comfortable and all that. And we don't right. really go to the coast or go travel outside of America. There was like a study done, like 80% of Americans couldn't put Germany on a map type deal. Know what I mean? That's crazy. But yeah. So did you always have this, this in you? And when you were working for these news stations, was there something that was pushing you to like, Hey, I, I want to work for myself. I want to do what my passion is type deal or what? You know what? That's like a really good question. I feel like in retrospect now I'm like, yes, I've always wanted to work for myself. Like, but, but I think that maybe I'm just saying that because now at this point I could never go back to work for something. Like I could never go back and work for someone else 
now that I've had like a taste of this Why? freedom, basically. Why, Why is the because, freedom like really dying? Well, yeah. I can do yoga in the middle of the day. I can, it's basically, it's an, it's a matter of scheduling. Like I get everything done. I need to get done, but I do it on my own time and how I want to do it. Also, I work hard. I think that this might just be a personality thing, but I work harder for myself. This makes me sound so like, so in love with myself or something, but I work harder for myself than I, than I will for anyone else or anything else. That's something I've learned over the past, however many years. Uh, and I like working hard. I mean, I, I like that feeling. I like getting up and feeling like super motivated to go do something. And I guess what I've learned is like, I feel that feeling most often when, when I'm putting something into the world that I'm proud of. Creating. Creating. When I'm creating. Yeah. I mean, does that sound super like, that's just like, that's like, I love creating. Like, I, mean, I don't know what that makes me sound like, but it's kind of true. <laughs> no, here's what I think I've put together over some years on the road and doing the online stuff and living yeah. totally different than the normal people, normal way of life, especially as Midwestern people, you know, it's, it's the college, get the job, have the family, young yeah. age, you know, all that stuff. I think this is what happiness is. It's Drop freedom it. plus purpose. And you got to have some sort of good relationships. You know what I mean? So yeah. you can have all this freedom. I did, um, you know, during the, the lockdown last year, I was like, oh my God, if I can just be on a beach drinking an April spritz, you know, with a beautiful girl, I'm going to be so happy and, and life's going to be amazing. Well, I did that and it was good, but I was like, okay, maybe not like, you, it's not just total freedom. You see all the billionaires and a lot of the people that have all the money, the trust fund kids that, you know, go crazy, shoot themselves. You need that purpose too. And luckily this, this podcast helps me with that. You know, um, a couple other things I do in my life gives me something to like work towards, gives me some sort of fulfilling feeling. And then once you have that, like the freedom, the purpose, you got to have relationships too. Cause like that, that means the most, you know what I mean? Like I had the freedom and the purpose, but I was on the road for a long time. And I was lacking like oxytocin. Like I didn't have, you know, good people, you know, around me more frequently. I was always by myself living on yeah, man. adrenaline. You need, you need the hugs. You need the hugs. <laughs> so what do you think yeah. of that? Is that the happiness formula? Did we just solve it? I think, I think you just solved it. Yeah. I'm, I won't even take credit for that. I think you just did it. Um, no, I think that like, there's so much truth to what you're saying though. For real. Like, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's like a hard balance to strike. Um, you know, as soon as you find for, find purpose or become creatively fulfilled, you want to do something more, right? Like, so I had this YouTube channel that was going great and I was loving it. And like for a couple of years there, I was like, great, I, this is it. Is it like, I'm so happy doing this. I love it. And I'm forming a community and I can't believe that this is my job. And it's amazing. Um, and after a few years of that, I started to get restless. Right. And, and, it, and I needed something more. I think that that's also a part of the human condition. It's like, okay, great. I'm happy. Now what? Like, whoa, now what's next? Um, and that's where honestly, this book came in to play. Like I, I had this idea for this book. It's like, I want to deep dive into my three favorite things, cheese, wine, and bread. 
I want to apprentice at vineyards in Italy. I want to go bake with master sourdough bakers all around France and Paris and boulangeries. I want to make cheese in the countryside in England. Um, I, I guess I just wanted more of a hands-on experience with life. I, I feel like you could relate to this because it's like, cool, I was doing what I was doing and I liked it, but it mostly involved setting up a tripod and taking video in my kitchen or in my living room and like talking to the camera. And I was like, okay, wait, wait, wait a second. I want to experience life. I want to get like out there, out there. Um, and yeah. And so this book was like totally that for me. And it feels like I'm about to give birth. Like it's coming, it's going <laughs> to, the book is coming out and it feels like I'm about to give birth. Cause, um, I'm like super, super proud of it. And it was awesome. Yeah, it resonates in your videos. Your vibe is there's something there. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a uh, magnetic. But I agree oh, with thanks, that. Thanks, man. I, I agree with that. Last year we missed the the football season in Italy. It shut down or whatever. And uh, in Mexico, I had you know some purpose with the the podcast and the way I make money. And I was traveling and doing all that. But at times I'm like, damn, like. I want to be with like a team working together for a goal. And, you know, you're working out and the camaraderie of uh, playing football, the competition you get, the, the experience of being alive. Like I was really missing. That's why I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm ready to go back. Like, even if I got to do this quarantine shit and live in lockdown Bologna, <laughs> like that's that hands-on stuff. Like you're talking yeah. about. So I definitely can relate to that. Let me ask you this. How do you keep doing the, these jumps like this? You went to New York city, do journalism. You went to Paris to do this. You started the YouTube. Now you said, I'm going to throw myself into a book. How are, how do you have like the confidence to, to, to pursue these type of deals? Oh, that's a really good idea. How do I have the confidence? Uh, well, it's interesting. Cause like, if you asked my husband, Connor, he would, he like, he's, I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm a confident person, but I'm not, I'm certainly no more confident than just like your average Joe. He would, my husband would say like, you need to be more confident, Katie. Like you, like, because, you know, I have doubts just like everyone else, but then I guess I'm also like super goal oriented. So like I, I get a goal and then I have a billion doubts around it, but I'm just like, eye on the prize. And I'm like, I am going to do everything within my power to try and to try and achieve this goal. Um, I don't know, but okay. So you, uh, the one place that where we just moved from actually, um, that, that you ha hadn't not yet mentioned was London. And so from New York, we, we lived in London and like that was, super happenstance that was because connor's job uh and this was actually before we were married um we were engaged but he, he got a job opportunity in london it was like do you want to come and i was like sure that sounds cool that sounds like fun so that i mean that was i was like just kind of along for that ride um i was the reason though that we moved to italy because i wanted to get dual citizenship also, I wanted to live in Italy um, and and Connor was, you know, then it was Connor's turn to say, all right, I'm, I'm along for the ride. Two, two questions here. Um, how do you do this tunnel vision? How do you not get distracted or how do you like zone out the, the talking and, and make these goals accomplished? 
practical. Uh, Give me practical. Not no, oh, I just think you'll be super cool and I visualize it. No, tell me some practical stuff. Yeah. Well, so, okay, practical stuff. I'm a big list maker. <laughs> I'm a big list maker. I love checking things off a list. I love writing a list and I love checking things off that list. So, I mean, that is like, that is my super practical um, advice. And prioritizing said list, right? So like, okay, just an example right now, my like big life goal, um, aside from getting this book off and on its way into the world in a good way, um, is learning Italian, right? Cause dude, yeah, we're in Italy. Like I, and, and now I'm an Italian citizen and, I, how, how am I going to be an Italian citizen and not, and, and not know Italian, um, at least decently well, I'm, I'm conversational right now. I want to be proficient. So in terms of prioritizing your to-do list, like I wake up in the morning and the first two hours of my day are Italian like that. That's what I do. I watch YouTube videos in Italian. I listen to Italian songs and write out the lyrics and sing along with them. And I do flashcards and I like everything. But that's the first thing I do every day. Because if I don't do it first thing, and sometimes I don't do it first thing occasionally, and I remember why I should do it first thing, it's because otherwise I just freaking like dick around. I do other stuff all day. I procrastinate it or whatever. And then I'm like laying in bed and I'm like, oh snap, I didn't do Italian. Okay. I'll do like Duolingo for five minutes to make myself feel better, but that doesn't, that doesn't count. So list making and prioritizing is that, is that, does that work for you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> look, listen, listen you this don't though. seem convinced, Nick. You don't seem convinced. Listen to this though. You went from the Midwest to New York city, did the journalism, lived there, did the Paris thing, um, with the culinary, made the YouTube where was living in London. Now you get your citizenship. you got that done, which takes a long time for normal people. Like that's crazy. <laughs> how do you do yeah. these big things like this? Like, I mean, a lot of people, I think in my opinion, just don't start and like, but uh, where, where do you find this information or how do you make these things happen? Cause You've already done a lot of like things that take either a long time or things that nobody even starts. Well, first of all, uh, I mean, thank you. It's conversations like these that make me feel like, oh yeah, like wait, like this is cool. Like I guess I have done some cool stuff, and so thank you, Nick. Um, and I guess like that that should be indicative to you that like I don't think of things this way. Like yeah, I acknowledge like oh yeah, this is all really cool. This stuff and like to hear you say it too. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, Hey, that's cool. I want that life. But I guess the way that I think about it or the, not the way I think about it, it's, it's more the reality of how it has all happened is like super little steps, super little steps one at a time. It's, it wasn't like, like when I, so I recently got my Italian citizenship, as you just said, as, as we just mentioned, I, when that process first started, I wasn't even sure that I could or or would get my citizenship. It was more about like, hey, I want to learn more about my ancestors. Like, whoa, my, my great grandparents are from Italy. Well, that's really cool. I really like Italy. Like I should, I should go to where they're from. 
And then, and then, oh, I'm in this town where they're from, or I think they're from. Well, gosh, like while I'm here, I should try and find a document, right? Like I should try and find it. So it was like really little steps, right? So I, oh, okay. Well, I got this document. That's cool. Oh, turns out with this document, if I collect these other 25 documents, whatever. <laughs> oh, turns out like there could be this really cool opportunity to have citizenship and be able to live and travel and work in the EU with infinite freedom and flexibility. That could be cool. So it's just like, honestly, it's like super little steps. And then, um, and then it, I guess they kind of accumulate. <laughs> I've, I've um, listened to a couple of people that have written books and that's what they say. It's like paragraph by paragraph and a chapter uh, yeah. and it all comes together completed. Cause you, you look at a book you're like, holy, that's a big project, but it's just, it's these little step-by-steps. And this totally reminds me of Scott Adams, who I love. He's got some great books, how to fail at almost everything and still win big. He's a stoner. He smokes a lot of weed. He's like 65, lives in California. And like, he uh, gives this example. Like if you have, if you've got couch lock, you know, you're just ripped out of your mind. You're sitting on the couch. Like I can't move. Like I'm stuck. He's like, move your pinky. They move your pinky and your, your ring mm-hmm. finger and then your middle finger. And then your arm starts going and then your whole, you know, body gets up type deal. Know what I mean? It's that's like, that's so true. I love that. That's such a great way of thinking about it. I, I love like, I love making it physical like that. Right. Cause we can all relate to that. <laughs> Wiggle your pinky. Like that's what it takes. But I just find it like, why, why you, you know, from the Midwest taking all these, you know, big risks that a lot of people would see? And maybe you viewed him as wrist or is it just kind of like, this is how you've always kind of lived and let the, the the dice roll where they roll? No, it is definitely not how I've always lived, for real. Like from an Ohio girl to a Minnesota boy, like the, this is not how I've always lived. Um, I'm from a small town in Ohio. And I mean, my parents have always been incredibly supportive of whatever I wanted to do. Um, but no, I was like fairly sheltered child and I was afraid of big cities. Like, and I didn't like strangers. I mean, <laughs> like I've really, I've really, I've really grown a lot since. No, I, so I have, I've not always been a big risk taker. Um, I guess my biggest thing is like, yeah, I have known that some of these are things are risks, but like, I don't know. It's like that gut feeling. And it's like, and I can't like live with myself if I, if my gut is telling me one thing and I'm, and I'm living another way, I really, I really have a hard time doing that also. Okay. uh, Kind of tangent, but, and I hesitate to bring it up just because I don't think that a person has to go through this to uh, actualize their dreams or anything like that. Um, but I, about six, seven years ago or something, uh, I, I had a really bad ski accident and I had a traumatic brain injury and I was in the hospital and it was one of those things that like put life on hold, like it stopped life. I was in my late twenties and I moved back to Ohio and I did, um, you know, did all the things to heal my, my brain and my body. And, um, after that I was like, well, what's the, what's the, what's the purpose of living if, if I'm 
not going to like what I'm doing or if I'm not going after what I'm doing, like it really did make me, um, make my drive all the stronger because I was just like, yo, I could literally not be here. In fact, I could still not be here tomorrow. Right. Like what do I have to lose by going for it? Like, okay, yes, this thing is like risky. Sure. But like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Yeah. It clarifies things like what, what, yeah. matters, what doesn't how little we worry about dumb shit. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. For people that don't go through, you know, a life-changing thing, how can they better trust their gut like you have, though? Yeah. Uh, How can they better trust their gut? Dude, I'm feeling like I need to be drinking some wine like you are right now. I feel like that would really help me. (laughs) I feel like I'd have some better answers for you if I was sipping that red. That looks really good. I've actually got, I've actually got some some delicious red you waiting want to pause for me this and the... you can get some wine i mean no <laughs> we can pause it uh yeah i'm gonna go get some wine i've right, actually I'll i've got a it. bottle i've got i've got this oh sorry so you got you said you got some aperitivo time you got some some good snacks yeah i got some aperitivo so i've got my i'm just gonna finish this bottle because it's almost done so well, tell us the wine See, you're the expert Perfect. no what is it so Salute. this is from, this is from Salud. Chin Chin. Um, so this is from the Friuli Coli Orientali DOC, uh, which is like a protected designation of origin. It's the um, indication, a geographic indication of where it's from in Italy. And this is Northeastern Italy, Friuli Venezia Giulia. And uh, yeah, this is a Pinot Grigio. So uh, it's pretty simple, but it's an orange wine, meaning that they used white wine grapes and then they macerated the skins, the grape skins. They let the grape skins ferment with the sugary grape juice. And that is what gives it this kind of orangey color. It's like a golden color. Um, It's beautiful. And I like it because I think it adds some, you're laughing at me, Nick, aren't you? I, I think it, I think it adds like more nuance to the taste without sounding like a total wine snob, which I'm totally not, by the way, I love me some three buck chuck, but this is nice. No, I want to get into this stuff too. I remember a couple of years ago where I was in Madrid and this is like where my taste buds came out. And we, we got hooked up with this nice chef, like with the stars, you know, and I remember eating like a tomato and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like everything like activated and I was like changing tomato. <laughs> yes. And after, ever since then, I've been like, I'm getting into the foodie stuff. Like I, you know, cause in Midwest, we don't, we don't, we just eat, you know, to like fuel ourselves. We don't really yeah. have tasty no, I, I love how you said that. Like how did you just worded that in such a great way. What did you say? My taste buds were activated. I think that's what you said. I love it. Well, because I feel like everyone who is like into food, we've all had that experience. And like, that's, that's what, uh, 
I was trying to describe. I don't know how good of a job I did, but that's what happened when I moved to New York City, like from Ohio, moving to New York City. I was like, what? This is amazing. You go, you go out to Flushing, right? Like take, take the subway out to Flushing and like have the best Chinese food of your entire life. That's completely different than the Chinese restaurants that we grew up with in the Midwest. Right. It's like, this is, this is incredible. Yeah. I love, I love that taste buds activated. That's clutch. I'll tell you another big thing that got me more into the foodie journey is um, living in Italy and eating with Italians. Cause it's yeah. not, it's like an experience, the dinners. You know what I mean? It's yes. like a, like a show and the, and the, the camaraderie and the wine. And it's like, it's a whole ordeal that totally changes the way you eat. Yes. I mean, food here is it's culture. Yeah. It's, it's religion. It's, it's religion. It's religion. Yeah. True. True. It is sustenance and religion. Yeah. Okay. You got your, your wine. So you're happy now. Tell me this, this gut trusting because everyone says, Oh, just follow your gut. Well, I mean, you can follow your gut and end up in bad places too. So what? Yeah, I know. Damn. I- <laughs> my good gut true. trusting. How do I do it? Oh man, I was hoping you would forget the question. Uh, no, I just, I do. Okay. Oh, like how philosophical to get here. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think we have to surround ourselves with good people. The reason I say that, and the reason that this is related to your question is that at every point in the road where I could have done this or I could have done that. Like for instance, when I chose to do YouTube full time and I actually said no to a promotion at NBC and I, and I was like, I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to try this YouTube thing. I'm going to throw myself into it because I think there are legitimate professional opportunities here. I hope to God, I don't really know for sure, but I hope to God. But so, I mean, that was a risk. And that was something that my gut was like telling me, but you know what? My gut was also telling me was you need financial stability you and you you will get that with a staff job at NBC, um, even professional stability, because you know the trajectory within a company like NBC, you know what to expect. I mean, so th- this other part of my gut was also tell, yeah, no, okay, actually, I love this question, Nick, because I, I haven't thought this hard about it, but at the time of these kind of decisions, my gut is actually super conflicted. Like my gut is hella confused because it's like feeling all kinds of things. And it's only in retrospect that I can say, oh yeah, like I, I fall, I guess I, I followed maybe the stronger part of my gut. The reason where community comes in is because with behind every major decision, behind every risky decision I've made, there has been someone someone important in my life, whether it be a parent, a partner, a friend, um, who has encouraged me, motivated me, supported me emotionally, um, or in certain cases, when I decided to do this book project, I took a big step back from all my other work. And my husband was supporting me in terms of like, Katie, go do this book. Like you clearly, you clearly are 
you were born to write this book. That's like, that's, that's what it, that's what it feels like. You should go do that. And like, I'll, I'll hold, I'll hold the fort down here. So I was like, sweet. And then I went to Italy and France and dicked off and made cheese and, and wrote the book. Anyway, that is all to say, I can't take all the credit. I had, I've had some really good people around me who've encouraged those decisions. Yeah, that's a good point. Figuring out who, who to listen to. That's happened to me a lot too, where that one person just like, Hey, do it. And here's so the thing I, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Okay. Hold on one sec. Here's the thing too. If you do it, you got to go all in. So if you fuck up and do all that stuff, you still learn way more and it's great for True. you. So just, if the gut says something and you do it, don't, don't half-ass it and put don't one half-ass it. You got to jump yeah. into the deep end, get fucking, get cold and, and, and go with it. What's the question? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Okay. My question for you is, uh, what about the people who give you, cause you were like, you know, not just having those people around you, but knowing who to listen to. I mean, have you ever had an experience in your life where someone is telling you to do one thing and, and you're like, uh, do I listen to them or don't I listen to them? Yeah. I think that happens all the time. And we're talking about with the tunnel vision, you know, mom and dad, maybe say this or your friends say, no, no, I want you to stay here, you know, selfishly because they still want to hang out with you too. And all that different type of deal. But mm, yeah, that, that is, I think it just comes down to like that person that, you know, is going to do it, you know, unconditionally for you type idea. But sometimes I think it is on you. Like, Hey, I gotta let the chips fall where they do, and I gotta I gotta take the jump. But I, I'm lucky. I've had one person in my life that's really kind of pushed me in certain directions and and been there. So, but there's a lot of talk on the outside. I mean, doing shit like this, you know, a podcast. You know, you, you hear people. What do you think you're doing? Blah blah blah. I mean, huh. a YouTuber. You're so egotistic, and then you know, <laughs> who do you think? Why are you? I do like to look at myself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's like you think you can quit NBC and do your own thing. I mean. So yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of the times it's just like what I, what I said is just, just go full in because you can't, mm -hmm. you can't lose that way. If you go full in. Mm -hmm. Well, and, or maybe, maybe you can lose eventually, but you won't have any regrets, right? You won't be like, oh, if only I had given more of myself, maybe it could have worked. Well, like you'll you live, learn. you'll learn. You learned, you learned it too with the near death accident. I mean, I don't really like, you know, what really does matter? You know, why am I living so safe? Like, just go for it type deal. Totally. Totally. What, like, what do you get when you live safe? Like you, 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 you live with the knowledge that you're playing it safe, <laughs> which is cool. I get it. Look, listen, I'm, I'm not here to like judge anyone for anything or for, you know, staying within the bounds of safety. I get it. Especially if you have people relying on you, like if you have to support a family or, you know, like I get it. Like I'm not, I'm not here to judge you. I'm really not. But, um, for me, it just became very clear. I didn't have a family or a partner or, you know, why well, I, I guess I had my boyfriend at the time who has become my husband, but at the time of the accident, I was just like, yo, I have nothing to lose what am I doing? <laughs> I, I better, I better run full speed after what I want. You're a podcaster. So you've had this happen, right? Where you just blank, you have something good to say and you just blank out. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I know. I feel you. I, I, I believe you. It was really good. Do you want me to talk about Tarali? Cause I kind of want to eat a Tarali while yeah, you talk about, about what your question is. Okay. So Tarali are a 
crispy, uh, baked good. I'm going to have a bite here and let's get some, let's get some good audio of it. Mm. ASMR. Mm-hmm. Well, some good ASMR. So, um, they're amazing, but they're like a very typical aperitivo snack, um, to have a bite of something while you drink your wine or your spritz or your beer or whatever you have. Um, and they're delicious. So I try, I'm trying, trying to be better about like not having a pedativo on an empty stomach. Cause that gets me into trouble. <laughs> Let me ask you this too. This is with the food stuff. So we can play off your book. So we got to promote mm-hmm. that for sure. What? So like the Italians, they eat the coffee and the sugar stuff in the morning. <laughs> yeah. like the Americans, we have the eggs, the bacon, the toast, like who eats right. You know what I mean? Like there's so <laughs> many different ways to eat depending. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I don't think that there is a right way. Um, I will say that I tend to get a headache when I just have a bunch of sweet stuff first thing in the morning. Um, but I don't think that, there, yeah, there's not a right and wrong way, but wait, you live in Italy too. And you're an American. What do you have for breakfast? And like, how has like, I don't know, do you have like the sweet brioche with gelato that they have in in Italy or I love um, the yellow cream one. That's, that's very good. The mm-hmm. cappuccino with the, the croissant with the cream in there, the yellow one. Yeah. But, but for the most part, I'm a faster, the intermediate fasting type. Deal. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So I do like this, this one shake. And then I usually just pig out on the local meal for lunch, like mm. eat a shit ton. And I try not to eat in the, the rest of the night type deal, but sometimes you mix in a couple things here and there, especially in Italy. Cause there's so much good food and, but here's a weird thing too. Like in the States, when I was in college, I weighed like 215. I had to take hits, you know, college football type deal. I weigh 180 uh-huh. now. And I think I eat maybe more hmm. than I did back in the States. Maybe not, but I think because the, the food is so much different. It's so much like more natural and healthy. What's the story with that? Not processed? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, there, there it totally is some processed food here, but you're right. I think for the most part and at the restaurants you go to, and especially like the kind of family style restaurants, anything, anything in Italy, that's not fast food. Yeah. I think you're right. I think the ingredients are not as processed. Um, and it, yeah, it, it really is that simple. I don't know if I have more to build on it than what you just said, but the, yeah, when the you put all that junk diet, in your body, they live the longest. Yeah. It's all that olive oil, man. <laughs> Okay. I mean, you live in New York city, Paris, London, and now in Italy, where's the best food? Oh, stop. What a question. If you had to pick one place to live in or one area, what is it for food? This is torture. This is torture. I mean, I feel like I'd have a different answer for you depending on when you ask me in this moment. So like earlier this week, I was looking everywhere for some cheddar cheese and I could not find cheddar cheese anywhere. I went through a similar thing, trying to find cilantro like about a month or so ago. There's no cilantro anywhere, anywhere near me here in Italy. Like I love Italian food so, 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 so much. I love the markets. I love the fresh produce I can get. I love the cheeses I can get, Cavallo, 
burrata, scamorza, parmigiano reggiano, gorgonzola. I mean, the list go on. Like incredible, incredible, incredible food here. But dude, I can't find cheddar cheese or cilantro. Like, are you freaking kidding me? So, and as someone who appreciates diversity on my palate, I, uh, I'm going to have to say New York City because it has everything. It has everything. And like London has incredible food too. The Indian food in London is mind blowing. Um, the Mexican food in London is not great. <laughs> so yeah, I've New never York. eaten. It might be West African or Ethiopian, T- totally different sides, but it's the one where you put the, the within Jira. Yeah. The bread that you it's Ethiopian. I, had, I went to a restaurant in Milan that had that stuff and it was like rated really high. And it was like out of like this, this dinky little restaurant. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. We're going to try it. That was amazing. That was, that was insane. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I, I love Ethiopian and, and Eritrean is also like very similar. It makes sense because it's a neighboring country, but um, yeah, Eritrean and Ethiopian, incredible food. What have been the best resources that you've had on the, along the way to say, to write the book, to start the YouTube, to get citizenship, like where these resources came from, what's really helped you to accomplish these things? The first thing that comes to mind is word of mouth recommendations. And so to peel that back more community, having people I trust who know other people, um, like a huge factor in, in writing my book was like, I had this idea I was super taken with it, like, because like cheese, wine and bread, I could just have that for dinner every, every night. Right. And like, and the, the, the thing that clicked for me was like, wait, these are all fermented items. And when people think of fermentation, they think of like kimchi and kombucha, um, sauerkraut, (laughs) right. But like cheese, wine and bread are all fermented items. And I was just kind of fascinated by that. Because fermentation is the process of transformation via microbes. Like it is bacteria and yeast that transform these foods, not by fire, but from within. And I just became so fascinated by that idea and realizing that my three favorite items, food slash drinks items on the face of the planet were like all of those things connected it. I, I, I was just like so enamored with this idea. And it might have just died right there, but I had, so I had, I had written one like kind of little cute, like coffee table book, um, a couple years prior and through a friend like in who has written a book before he connected me with his agent. And because I had this little book that I'd written before, I was like, okay, I'm like legit because I've done this little thing. Um, And so she was kind enough to give me her time. We hopped on the phone and she encouraged the idea. I mean, honestly, the idea could have fizzled and died right then, right there. If she was like, no, I don't think so. You know, who knows? Maybe I would have persisted and and kept going. I I like to think that I would have, but... just to go back to your question, it's all about community, right? Cause like she encouraged it. She was like, I think it's a great idea. 
why don't you have some of these experiences, go work in a cheese shop in London, write the first five chapters of the book. Is the book going to have recipes? Okay. Write some of those recipes. What is this going to be? Give me a solid idea and then we'll take it to some publishing houses. But it was, so basically it was her just being like, yeah, I'm into it to, for me to be like, all right, game on. Like, I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go work in a cheese shop in London. I'm going to write some recipes. I'm going to write these chapters. Game on. So relationships. Yeah. The biggest resources. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And, and, as, and as people, like, we need each other and we want to help each other. Don't you think? Like, I mean, you, you reach out to people all the time for your podcast. And what are you doing when you're reaching out to them? You're like, you're offering you're offering them like new ears, a new audience. You're offering them exposure and a, and a solid conversation with a cool person. But like, yeah, you know, you know what community is all about. This is what you do. Our mission is to connect the doers. And that's one of the big things, yeah. this podcast that it keeps going. So obviously we're not making a shit ton of money or monetizing this at all. We made one shirt, but it's relationship yeah. you build. <laughs> yeah, I mean? exactly. It, it, it's, it pays off tenfold. It is freaking crazy. And this is honestly yeah, a podcast is networking on steroids. It's amazing. <laughs> like just building something and the leverage you can make with it. Yeah. How, if you don't have a platform, do you make these relationships? Now, how would you start with, you know, all these different relationships and, and using them as equity basically? Yeah. You yeah. Are okay, magnetic. So- your vibe is magnetic. So do they come to you or what's with that? <laughs> I appreciate, thank you for your kind words. No, they definitely do not come to me. Um, I reach out to people. I have reached out to people and continue to reach out to people all the time. It, so the first job that I had out of college was at NBC. It was this thing called the page program. And we were encouraged to do what was called informationals. So do, so reach out to people within the company in any department of the company and ask them for an informational. Say, hi, I'm a page. I work within NBC. Are you available for an informational? So this is like a casual meeting over coffee, whatever. Now it can happen over Zoom. That wasn't really a thing when I was that age out of college. Um, I don't mean to make myself sound too old. I'm not that old, but Zoom was not a thing (laughs) back then. And, um, And that's when I learned, oh, all you have to do is ask someone. And if they say no, which trust me, I've said no to many, many, many times, who cares, right? Like you don't lose anything. Like Nick, if you had reached out to me and I said, no, like, no, I'm too busy or no, like whatever, no, for whatever reason, you would have lost nothing. Correct. On to the next one. (laughs) On to the next. Yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, but here I said, yes. And now here I am. And end of story. <laughs> yeah, how do you, how do you deal with that rejection though? A lot of people can't deal with that. It's an ego hit. It's a reality check. Yeah. It's, a, it's an ego hit, but don't we all need an ego hit sometimes? Like not everyone's going to drop everything they're doing just to talk to you and have a, before your accident though, were, were you more afraid of the rejection and the accident really kind of like, whoa, no, I, well, so I was a page like years before the accident. So, um, yeah, no, I, I really think I, I learned that when I was encouraged to do it 
in that professional setting, I was like, well, my boss is telling me to reach out to people. So I'm going to do it. Right. Like that was a, that was a serious motivator. That's a great point. The the fear thing is always bigger in your head when you do it and you realize, wow, it's not that big of a deal. So you true. building on it. But a big thing is it was in some book, some sales book. It was, um, act like this is, you're doing it for like your kids. You got to sell this for them. So like, it takes it off you. It's like, Hey, it's not about me no more. Like you put the, like you said, your boss, your boss told me to do this. Like, True. Okay, so I'm not, it's not on me. Like, I'm just going to do it. Cause my boss said, Oh, I'm mm-hmm. selling this for my kids. You know what I mean? So I'm going to get over my ego. Cause I got to make money for my kids type deal. Know what yes. I mean? Well, and with anything, it's like when there's something bigger than yourself, it is a huge motivator. Uh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if there's something you believe in enough, whether that's, a person or if like, Oh, as my boss told me, if this, if there's anything to take it off of you and your ego. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. This question is more so for me. I seen you have a, a Patreon and I want to start yeah. soon. How, how do you go about making this and, you know, making it worthwhile and getting people to sign up? So Nick, I, uh, I chewed on whether or not to start a Patreon for years. I could do not year, like three to five years, probably. I mean, I remember being in culinary school in, in Paris and considering doing it. That feels like a lifetime ago. (laughs) And I just started it like two and a half months ago. So like, you know, I, I feel you, uh, that if, well, I don't know if you feel this way or not, but if you, if, it felt like a big thing. Um, like I had created content for free for so long that I was like, how can I be asking people to pay me for this? Um, but it's, it's really fun. It's cool because these are the people, the people able to, and like, I don't have, I don't hold it against anyone who likes my stuff. Who's not able to support me financially all good. And like, you'll continue to get my content but the people who are able to, and who want to, there's been a really cool community back to community. There's been a really cool community that's built because they're invested in you like literally and metaphorically. Um, they care about your content. They have interesting things to say. They have interesting observations. They have cool ideas. Um, so yeah. And, and again, like I'm pretty, it's pretty new to me as well. I feel like I'm just, just starting it. Um, but it's been cool. I recommend it for the same reason I would recommend anything. And like where we've already touched on with this conversation is like the why not factor. And that's what I had to tell myself when I launched the Patreon, because I don't like throwing a birthday party for the reason that I'm worried no one's going to show up, you know, like that is the same thing with Patreon. It's like, oh, I don't want to start this. What if no one, but, um, then you just do it. And then I was like, if this doesn't work, if this, if this falls on its face, then at least I tried, at least I, at least I tried. Like I said, I was thinking about doing this for five freaking years. At least I tried. And it's gone well so far. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it's gone well. So you just kind of learn as it goes, like what to add, how to give to them, all that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had no idea. And I'm still like pretty clueless. And like, I like 
Patreon. I don't know how much I should talk about this on the, on the podcast, uh, but it's not like the most user-friendly interface to me. I think that that could be improved. Um, anyway, yeah, this is all to say I am, I'm learning by the day, but it's been fun. How about a quote that you live by that's meant a lot to you, something that struck you? Oh, I have a Google Doc that is filled with quotes that strike me. As they strike me, I'll just throw it on there. And it's the, this Google Doc is like 20 pages long. Uh, you go through that Google Doc a lot or is it just like a database? It's honestly kind of more of a database <laughs> at this point, at this point. Um, huh. So, oh, shit, dude, that's such a good question. Um, if a uh, book comes to your mind instead, you can say that first. Well, <laughs> well, I'll give you a quote. This is like, see, this is kind of like random, dude. This is like totally not what you were getting at when you asked me this question, but this is the quote that comes to mind. And it's, I have, I, I have it quoted in, in, in my book, it is opposite the page where I start the chapter, the, the section on bread in France. And it's a quote from Julia Child. You know who Julia Child is, right? <gasps> okay. She's a, uh, <clears throat> she's passed now, but she was a um, beloved food personality. Uh, in like the, what would it be? 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. uh, Yeah. I think she died in the nineties. Anyway, Julia Child, love her, love her, love her. She's the person I would want to have my last meal with or whatever that question people ask, you know, (laughs) I'd want to have a meal with her dead or alive. Um, so she said, because she lived in France for many, many, many years. And she said, how can a country be called great if its bread tastes like Kleenex? <laughs> this is this is why I'm like, this is not what you were asking for in terms of a quote. But that's the first quote that comes to my mind. A, it's funny. I like it. It's funny. Um, but it's also kind of like, where do we put our priorities? And like, if we're willing to eat some, you know, Wonder Bread that tastes like Kleenex, and still call it bread, maybe we should reevaluate what we're putting into our bodies. So like that, you know, that's like looking at it more seriously, but really it's just a funny quote that I love. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, the America, I mean, we're crazy obese and we eat a lot of shit and we die early from it. I think, I mean, you look in Italy, a lot of people smoke and I see grandma and grandpa smoking cigarettes and they're they're surviving. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's not the whole database, but I think it's the food. I think the food kills Americans more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got a point. Okay. Let's pitch this book. Who should read this book? Who would want to read this book? Is it just about food, cheese, and like the foodie stuff? Or is your personality thrown in there? What's all encompassing with it? It hugely, my, my personality, my personal story is a huge part of it as well. So it's, it's part cookbook. So if you like to cook, pick it up. If you like cheese, wine, and bread, and you want to learn more about it and like, what is fermentation? I've got some like super fun and accessible um, nerdy fermentation guide stuff in there, but a huge part of it is honestly like memoir part. Right. And it's, uh, 
how I got to London and moving around and traveling around Europe and what I was going through personally in my personal life. And, and the reason I chose to include that stuff was because I wanted this book to feel accessible. And I felt the only way to do that was to be vulnerable and be like, this is some shit I was going through when I went and made cheese in the countryside of England. And when I went and worked at the vineyard in Northern Italy. Um, so I really, I really weave that all in because that's the kind of book I like to read. So if you like books like that also, um, then pick it up. I think you'll dig it. You're, you're kind of alluding to it before, but this has been one of the most fulfilling things in your life. It's been. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, uh, well, you know, it's just like the best feeling to wake up every day and be excited about what you're doing. And like, this is just, this has just been my purpose. <laughs> Are you going to go through like that depression thing? This happens a lot with athletes. They win the top thing. And then they won the Super Bowl in the next couple of days. They're like, what the fuck? That's all I've been Postpartum. working for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That or what? Dude, I don't know. I'll let you know. I'll shoot, I'll shoot you a note on Instagram if I'm like, dude, I can't get out of bed. I'm so sad. The book's out and I have nothing to live for. Right now, I'm super stoked and I'm all about just like getting the word out there about it. So that's that's motivating me. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, your The vibe is amazing. I love the YouTube content. Thanks, Excited to, to see this roll out with the book. Now, hold on. Is I mean, Amazon, the publisher, yeah. where, where are we? All the places. Yeah. Amazon, of course. Um, yeah. Harper Collins is the publisher. You can get it there. It's, it's available in many, many bookshops on, on my website, Katie slash Quinn or dash. Is it a dash? I don't, yeah. Dash Katie dash Quinn.com. You get the, I, there's like <clears throat> links to all of the places internationally and uh, all kinds of places in the States, of course, um, to order it. So yeah. Is Get it, it be, man. Is it, it going to be front and center on, in Barnes and Noble foodie section or what? I freaking hope so, man. Like the new eat, pray, love cheese, wine, bread. Get it while it's hot. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing the drop. I think I'll buy it for someone that's a, a foodie person, but shit, I don't know. I like if it's your story in there. That, that interest is me. I'm starting to get into food, but if there's more to it, I think I, I might check her out. So I like that. Great. Nice. Awesome. Do you have cool, fun? Man. Yeah, I had a good time. I it felt like I was having a peritivo with you on a piazza somewhere. And I, I dig that. I miss that. <laughs> COVID times. I miss that. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. This summer, I'll be traveling all over Italy again. So maybe we we link up you and the husband that yeah. talk about him. Is he is he doing good <laughs> in Italy? Is he enjoying yeah. it? Yeah, he's really enjoying it. He's learning how to surf, uh, oh, which is cool. fun. We've never lived on the water before and we're like right on the Adriatic. So like lunch break, he just like goes, he's like made friends with these like surfer dudes here. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, no, it's good. He's he's enjoying it. So that's the one thing that I'm a little jealous of. Like I love the the bachelor going around by myself, you know, the nomad life, but it would be really cool if you had someone that that lives that type of lifestyle to it. You like it a lot or what? Yeah. Well, surfing or the well, having someone that can travel to, to London, oh, and yeah. New yeah, York yeah, City, yeah. To, to Italy. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Not no. many people can do that. Yeah, no, it's great. I'm super, I'm super grateful that we're aligned with that. I mean, he's from the Midwest too. He's a, he's a Michigander. Um, so, but we met in New York and yeah, I, I, it is, it is nice to have 
to have him along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. The Say the book title one more time. Cheese, wine, and bread, discovering the magic of fermentation in England, Italy, and France. Beautiful. <laughs> um, Instagram handle, website at, again. At QKatie and katie-quinn.com. QKatie's the YouTube channel too. Awesome. Yep. Fantastic time. Cheers. Thanks, Nick. Grazie. Del partigiano morto per la libertà. Questo è il fiore del partigiano morto per la libertà. Questo è il fiore del partigiano.